but I know you better than I once did, and you know me better than I do, and I thank you for showing me who I am. I see you in a different light I know your mercy in my life I need your grace at work in me and I surrender let you change me into the man This is Banner, and welcome to the Second Root of Truth podcast. What I'm going to share with you is a pretty momentous thing for me, a big change for me and my family. This is something I've thought about for years and was fearful for many reasons to step out in faith uh, and do these things. Now, some of those fears were real, but some of them they weren't. But either way, I fell prey to them. A part of me believes I was supposed to do this a long time ago. Either way, now is the time. After 27 years of attending the same assembly, it's time for me to move on. I'm called elsewhere. The calling goes back 32 years. First, some background. I was born again in November of 1987. It was real, and a dramatic change occurred in me. I'll tell you more about that in an upcoming episode. But in a nutshell, when I made the commitment to follow the Messiah, I meant it. In August of 1988, I rolled my car into a ditch at 65 miles an hour on Interstate 69. Yah spared me. But for a few scratches from being pulled out of the car by another motorist who stopped to help, I was uninjured. But it was at that time I heard the call. While lying in the ambulance to be transported to the hospital to get checked out, I was reminded of when Moses was going back to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from bondage to Pharaoh. Elohim stopped him along the way and sought to kill him. When he brought that to my mind, I heard him say to me that I was called to ministry. Now I know more what that really means. Since being born again, it's been a series of ups and downs and around and struggles and crises all along the way. We began in a small church in Hamilton, Indiana and learned after a couple of years that it wasn't the place for our family. We tried a startup church meeting at Buck Lake Ranch for a few years and that wasn't the place. We tried a brethren church across the street from our house in Hudson, Indiana for a few weeks and found that wasn't the place. We attended and I led worship in a little family-run church in Ashley, Indiana for a couple of years and left because of unscriptural beliefs and practices in leadership. We were adrift for a couple of years after that. I'd given up hope of finding a place with people who were searching for truth instead of just being a social club. In August of 1993, my family came to what was then known as Maranatha Christian Fellowship in Brighton, Indiana. When I heard Ron Heyer begin to teach that morning, I knew we were where we were supposed to be at that time. After about a year attending the fellowship, I began to be involved in leading worship, something I would do for most of the 27 years we attended. I saw the assembly change its name to Calvary Christian Fellowship to more align with Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, the fellowship of churches we were involved with. In 2003, I became an elder and served in that capacity until resigning and leaving just a few weeks ago. From 2000 until 2007, I managed Calvary satellite radio stations housed at the fellowship building, 
Studios and office were moved out of the facility in 2007. About that time, the name of the fellowship was changed to Messiah Fellowship of Howe. Uh, to reflect the change in our beliefs, focus, direction, and the fact that we no longer were in fellowship with Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. As we begin to divorce ourselves from tradition, with the desire to walk in obedience to the commands given in Scripture, we were no longer welcome in the Calvary Chapel movement. That was the reason for the radio stations, uh, the studios being moved. I was hosting a radio show with Ron, and he had his daily teaching program, both exposing the lawless traditions of Christianity by readily available history and the text of the scriptures that we all said we believed and followed. From the leadership down, we came to the realization that all of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, was relevant to new covenant believers. We began to guard and meet on the seventh-day Sabbath, which is called Saturday, instead of practicing the tradition of Sunday as traditional Christianity practices. We began to eat what Scripture teaches as food and to abstain uh, from that which our Creator says clearly is not food for us. We no longer practice the pagan-based traditional observances of Christmas and Easter. You can guess how that went. At one time, we were an assembly of over 500 people. We were a celebrated, happening thing at the time. A local TV station came and did a story about the church out in the middle of a cornfield that people drove from many miles away to attend. But as we uh, became more serious about our own walk and instituted change in how we did things, folks decided we weren't the place for them. Eventually, nearly all the original people who attended walked away. But I don't regret one moment of the desire to walk in truth that we committed to. In spite of people leaving, I still believe that all of the commands are valid and relevant in Messiah and as a result of his workmanship in us as believers. His commands... Well, they're not burdensome. These are the same commands found in the Torah, literally the instructions given us by Yah, only administered by a different great high priest. So here's what I know at this point. Uh, I'm called to be a pastor, but not in the traditional sense. I don't have any design on getting a building and drawing people to myself and getting paid to preach, teach, or do all the traditional things that the church says pastors are traditionally supposed to do. I'm called to be a pastor, and that simply means that I'm an under-shepherd of the true shepherd, called to feed the sheep, of which I am one. I'm not planning on creating programs or lesson plans or holding twice-weekly services or setting up any bylaws or a constitution. My only statement of belief is that I believe in Messiah and the Word of Elohim. I'm not planning on a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to make it easy for folks to give. I believe I'm called to encourage, to teach the scriptures, and to preach, which is simply to proclaim the reign of Elohim, who most call God, and the love of the Father shown by uh, the giving of his Son's life, that we might live with him in his resurrection. The goal is Messiah, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who made mighty promises to those who believe. One day, We will be with him in paradise, eating of the tree of life and living forever, no longer in these corrupted bodies we inhabit now on a corrupt earth, all corrupted by the willful disobedience of our father in the flesh, the first Adam. I desire to meet with people where they're at. It doesn't have to be elaborate, no pomp and circumstance. Matter of fact, I don't even want that. Uh, I think that is uh, actually a distraction and it's not what we see in Scripture. So believers can meet in homes for dinner, grab coffee or lunch, and talk on any day they find the time. Sabbath gatherings can be small groups in homes. I believe there's a lot more freedom to share in a small group than in a larger group. 
Or we can gather at a park if we want to have a bigger assembly of believers for a particular occasion. We can sing praise together anytime and anywhere we might find ourselves gathered in His name. This means there is no rent or mortgages on buildings to pay for, no need to pay for utilities or press people into service to clean and keep up the building. The building I want to work on and to exhort my brothers and sisters to work on is the building of Elohim that the Apostle Shaul or Paul says is the building of Elohim. That's us. We are his building in him. In him is the place we are to stay. We may not live in the same house or the same town, state, or even in the same country, but we all are. If we are true believers, we all live in his house, being his children and our priests and sovereigns in his kingdom. Some of us may never gather in the same gathering here on this side of eternity, but we can and should be in the same place. As for tithing, in this scenario, it's not needed to keep up a building or pay a pastor, church uh, staff salaries, or those kinds of things. So what is it for? Is it something we should still do? Well, yes, but not like we have traditionally done, I don't believe. The model in Torah concerning giving was that it was given to the priesthood to live on because they were full-time in sacrificing animals and other duties of the priesthood and were given no inheritance in the earth. Think about that. They were given no inheritance in the earth. Neither have we. We're not citizens of this kingdom, but we are citizens of the kingdom that is not of this earth, just like Messiah. But now we don't have that Levitical priesthood, but we still have a priesthood. We are those priests who serve under our great high priest, Yahushua Messiah, who is a priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. I believe that the way it has been done has, been, uh, has made it easy for some to believe they're accomplishing what Scripture teaches us to do by simply giving money to the church leadership and expecting them to give to the needs of the church. And, and sometimes a benevolence fund might be part of the funds, but only after the needs of the pastor and the church building are met. Most small churches struggle with all of that. But this, as I see it, doesn't fit the model. The priests are the eat of the gifts. Here's what I believe. We are individuals in the body of Messiah. However, we're not independent. We are to be dependent on one another in Messiah. Rather than relinquishing our responsibility uh, to others to do it for us, I believe we are to take the responsibility ourselves. In fellowship with Messiah and his bride, we should get to know one another, know the needs, And as we are led by Messiah, meet those needs of our brothers and sisters ourselves. It could could be to help with uh, maybe rent with someone, or to help with groceries or medical expenses. Or it could be to help a brother who uh, has expenses in a ministry endeavor that you uh, believe you could be a part of. Or a shared need for the assembly. That would be determined by each individual on a case-by-case basis as they continue to work out their own deliverance with fear and trembling before the Master. I, nor any other church leader, uh, needs to know what you give or who you give it to or where you give it. You don't need a tax write-off for your gift. In fact, most people don't fall into a category where they can write off anything. Uh, They don't make enough money or they don't give enough. Or you don't file uh, in a way that you can do that. You're not able to. So even in that, it's not something that's beneficial to you. But the whole model, I believe, is wrong. It's an individual thing. See, it's a matter between you, the recipient, and the master to whom you answer to personally. In most cases, I don't think the recipient needs to know. 
This puts the responsibility of functioning as a member of the body of Messiah in the right place on individual members of the body between each member and the master and not absolving or passing that responsibility on to the infamous they as church leadership is always referred to as being. In this way, I believe the priests are taken care of by the offerings of the people. The needs of the ministry are shared by each individual in the body by giving personally directly to the need. Torah is the instruction of Elohim. The teacher is Messiah, and Messiah is the truth. He said he had to go to the Father so that the Helper could be sent to us. He said the Helper is the set-apart spirit of truth. Each member of the body is born again from above and has received the spirit of truth to guide them into all truth. There are those who are called to teach the body of Messiah. I believe I'm one. All I can do, however, is teach you what is written and encourage you to believe and yield to the teacher and the spirit of truth to reveal to you. I don't believe we're to lay down a consensus ruling as to how we are to walk out Torah beyond simply what is written. Messiah, the master of the Sabbath, and the master of each one of the members of the body, uh, each of us answers to him, to our master, for our walk. Furthermore, I don't believe we are to enter into any arguments about Torah, as Shaul exhorted in Titus chapter 3. And foolish questions about things we know very little about are to be avoided, as they bring contention and division over things that don't matter as to our deliverance. Case in point is those who believe the earth is flat versus the round earthers. Now, personally, I don't believe the earth is flat, but I don't have a scientific degree to prove it. Those who believe the earth is flat don't have their credentials and contextual evidence other than gleanings from self-proclaimed professionals on the web either. Neither side has the knowledge to argue their point. But here's the bottom line. This earth is going to burn. There will be a new one created in the end. My only goal is to be there with the master and to proclaim the reign and the name, the good news, so that as many who will hear and believe will be there as well. It matters not that the earth is flat or round, in my opinion. These arguments are just what the enemy likes for us to engage in. I don't want to give him any satisfaction. There are other arguments along the way. Consider those things in your heart before Yah and don't be used to cause senseless division over it. Let's stay focused on the prize and walking in Messiah to obtain it. The other thing I feel uh, very strongly about is this. The message of the stake, or you might say the cross, is a simple message. The good news is not a hard thing to grasp. If you have a desire for truth, there are things that we can wade into that many have a hard time of grasping and are so heady that it goes over their head. We need to exercise wisdom in these matters, that we don't cause people to feel they can't measure up or think they have to say something in a matter that they really don't uh, know anything about but feel the pressure to be involved. There are many who need pure milk and are not ready for strong meat. And it is a process of growing to maturity that we should encourage in one another, but not try to force growth in anyone. Meet people where they are. Not everyone is at the same place in their walk, and we never will be till our walk is ended in each of us. Love is the main thing. Listen to what the Apostle Shaul wrote to the Corinthians in chapters 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians. The context is the gifts each member of the body of Messiah is given, and that the gifts are for the building up of the body. I'll begin in the last verse of chapter 12 and read through chapter 13, but I would encourage you to go read both chapters and meditate on them, beginning in verse 31 of chapter 12. And yet I show you a more excellent way. 
If I speak with the tongues of men and of messengers, but do not have love, I become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophecy and know all secrets and all knowledge, and if I have all belief so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, well, I'm none at all. And if I give out all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, well, I'm not profited at all. Love is patient, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It's not puffed up. Does not behave indecently. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Reckons not the evil. Love does not rejoice over the unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It covers all, believes all, and expects all, endures all. Love never fails. And whether there be prophecies, they shall be inactive, or tongues, they shall cease, or knowledge, it shall be inactive. For we all know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be inactive. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish matters. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know as I've also been known. And now belief, expectation, and love remain these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now that's where I'm at at this point. I have new songs I plan to record in the near future, Yah willing. I'm looking for opportunities to share my music and testimony and teaching with those who are of like mind, who have a love for the truth, and I want to pursue Him. I desire fellowship in any setting that is pleasing to the Father. I want to hear what Yah is telling you, that we might mutually encourage one another and all of us be built up as we are working on the building of Yah in Messiah. You can learn more at BannerKid.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-R-K-I-D-D. Website's in the process of being redone with its focus more refined because I was using it previously for some other things. But you can find contact info there, and I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, continue to look to the root of truth, the living Torah, the tree of life, the true Messiah, whose character does not deviate in the slightest from the truth of his Father. Continue to speak truth and love. Rest in him and his promises until next time. This is Banner Kid for the Root of Truth. Here I am, down on my knees. I'm crying now. Come and rescue me. Live in me, being all I do. Cause we love. Serve and worship you. Oh, I'm sorry for the things I have done. I have nowhere to turn and nowhere to run. Look upon the Father, hide me in your Son, wash me in his blood. Let your kingdom come. Of the time, well, I run on ahead. My heart doesn't listen. I want my way instead. But no matter how far and fast that I run, you always find me. Hold me close and call me son. Oh, I'm sorry for the things. I have done, I have nowhere to turn, and nowhere to run.
Hide me in your son, wash me in his blood, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come.